You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Which coast? Traveling east to west... Aaron Ladd. Oh, he did it! No. <laughs> Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs coast to coast. Oh, the Mark hits you like, yeah. I got, <laughs> I got, I got some bad news, guys. Hey, man, it's difficult when you got a little toddler, man. You know, you never know what can happen. You know. Daddy Gunnels, man. I'm not used to seeing you as in the father light, man. That's a that's a different role for you. It is, man. It's still new. It still feels new to me. That's all good. We're gonna get it right. Yeah. Hey, how, how you feeling? Did Santa bring you something nice this year? Yeah, man. I, you know, I don't really expect too much these days. You know, I'm more about giving at this point in my life. So that was yeah. sweet. <laughs> that, that was really nice, actually. You know, so you know, as long as the little one's happy and my loved ones are happy. I'm happy, man. I don't really expect much. Just give me some new socks or whatever. I don't care. I'm cool, man. <laughs> they had 15 on, on the socks. Did it, did it have Mahomes reaching for the pylon? <laughs> reaching for the pylon that, that that was on the sock already? They, uh, I, don't they think they made, I don't think they made that uh, yet. Uh, you know, it's just the day after. So you got to give a little time for that one. How was oh, your man. Christmas, man? It was solid. It was, it was solid. Now I worked. I'm here. I got to FaceTime with family and did all that good stuff. So cross that off the list. But, you know, working in news, man, it's tough. You don't really get too many holidays off. And I got Thanksgiving off, so I, so I worked Christmas. Yeah. Obviously, the Chiefs play on New Year's Day, so I'll be working that, too. But uh, especially this time of year, too, man, it's crunch time. You know that. This, this is a... Uh, this is where we start to figure out uh, who the contender and the pretenders are and, and what the postseason is going to play out like. 100%, 100%, man. It's crunch time. Like you said, you know, January 1st, got two games against division rivals, even though both of them are looking pretty uh, bleak at this point, to say the least. You know I had to give you some crap because it was cold here in KC, and, and there you go on your Instagram story. Oh, this this is sick. I can't believe people live like this. I'm like, Mark, you're from Kansas City, okay, man. I, I love how you, you gasped <laughs> on extra like words on my quote. All I said was, this is sick. I did not say, I don't know how people live in this. You like to add on like for the dramatic effect. I did not say that. All I said was, this is sick. It was sick. I mean, if, even if you're from here, doesn't mean that you're okay with being cold. That's one thing I hate when people say, you're used to it. You're from there. Like, that doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> like, I moved for a reason. So, I, I hate when people say that. <laughs> that man got out to L.A. and changed, bro. You different. We, we ain't never seen you act like this before. Oh, you, you come back to the Midwest and... <laughs> You don't even have a coat no more. I know Mark Gunnels. He don't even really have nothing to put on his shoulders. He he rocking a hoodie. I mean, I, I ain't lot to you. I bought a coat the day before I left. Literally. 
But no, it's all good. It's warming up now, though. It was in the 50s today. It's going to be in the 60s tomorrow. Like, they'll bring some L.A. here. Okay. It's relatively balmy here in Kansas City. Coast to coast is here in Kansas City. No live pod, but we still rocking out with y'all. Episode 38 here on the Arrowhead Pride podcast platform, podcast network. Mark Gunnels is over there. Aaron Ladd right here. Steven Serta behind the board. Man, we're going to recap Chiefs Seahawks, an exciting win for Kansas City. They're 12th on the year. Why that's so important in their chase for a Lombardi trophy. We'll head down to Vegas. So, so weak for Mark. He's going to try and get above 500 as we give our picks ahead of Chiefs Broncos. Second time those two teams played are going to play this year. A key victory and, and, and the keys to getting the victory for Kansas City, what they need to do to get that done. Let, let's just jump into the game preview or the game uh, recap, man. Mahomes avoids. He's a magician. Chiefs recap. This one was cool. It literally, it was cold. Single digit temperatures. I somehow saw a dude chugging a beer out of a boot in the stands. Arrowhead is a Arrowhead is a special place. Chiefs beat the Seahawks 24 to 10. Patrick Mahomes has a good game. 16 for 28. 224 passing yards, three total touchdowns for Mark Gunnels' favorite football player. Travis Kelsey pours in 113 yards on six catches. Mark Gunnels' old favorite football player, Geno Smith. I didn't think he was bad, um, but he was having to make a lot happen behind the line of scrimmage that really didn't amount to much. He goes 25 for 40 for 350, or excuse me, for 215 passing yards. And Seattle ran 22 more plays than Kansas City, but really none of them of consequences. KC really cruises in this one. There's a lot of good things that you can pick from. I was on 610 here locally yesterday, and the talk was, hey, this is the best we felt after a Chiefs win in a very long time. If you had to pick one reason why you feel so good after this Seahawks win, Mark, why? What is it and why? Well, I think the obvious is the defense and the pass rush, to be exact. I mean, those guys are getting after it. How about GK, George Karloftis, man? He's been balling these last month or so. we got to give him more credit because he did start off pretty slow. I remember before the year we had a lot of dialogue of how many sacks do you expect for him to get this year. And I said around six or seven, and he's right there at, at that, that mark right now. So I think this would be a successful rookie year for him, your first-round pick. A guy that has some question marks. People were kind of questioning his athletic ability, his bend. You know, he's not the most agile type guy, more of a power rusher. But I think he's starting to really get his footing as the season goes on, which is perfect timing where you're headed for this playoff push. So I want to give a major shout to him and the D-line in general. I think uh, Gino, like you kind of alluded to, was under a lot of pressure. You know, he's having to make a lot of plays off script. It's not really his game per se. He likes when things are going according to plan right we can go through his reads and everything is smooth and you don't have to you know do the Mahomes thing because that's not his game so I thought the defensive line really helped the back end and you saw you got a pick you know right uh shout out to Juan Thornhill I mean it was thrown right to him but you know he caught the ball so let's give him some credit for that and uh yeah I just think they were flying around they weren't missing tackles either that's one big thing as well you know we saw in previous weeks they were missing tackles and it will lead to first downs, which would extend drives, which would result into points. They were tackling, especially the corners. Shout out to those guys. So this is a really good, clean game from the defense. Arguably their best defense outing probably all year. I mean, you could really argue that, especially considering the team you're going against. This is a top 10 efficient offense all year. Like, this is a pretty good Seattle offense. I mean, obviously they didn't have Tyler Lockett, 
which is a big key to the offense. That's still, what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, but still, but you still had DK Metcalf. You still had Kenneth Walker, obviously Geno Smith. So they still had guys there. And we saw the Chiefs, you know, go against the Houston Texans, and they were missing a lot of key guys, and they were still moving the ball. So, you know, I, I got to give them credit where credit's due. We're recapping Chiefs Seahawks here on Coast to Coast, episode 38. I should have mentioned this earlier. We love making y'all part of the show. And if you have any strong thoughts or feelings, opinion about this game or any other Chiefs game, we want to make y'all part of the show. 816-514-1267 is our voicemail line. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, we know the Arrowhead Pride Nation is large. Hashtag C2C gets you under our attention or into our attention so that we can throw your comments and respond to your questions. Here on the show, obviously, it's the defense, man. And and I maybe have pause and I'm a little nervous from saying that this is one of their best performances considering who they were playing against. But yeah, you're right. Seattle plus Tyler Lockett and some of the weapons that they've had in the past, a successful offense, an offense that's been on schedule. We talked about uh, last week, Geno Smith being one of the quarterbacks that was extremely efficient with the ball, wasn't making a lot of mistakes. And Kansas City all day found ways to make him look uncomfortable, found ways to make him move off of that first read. Um, you mentioned George Carlotta stole that right out of my pre-show notes. That batted ball maybe might be bigger than um, uh, the sack that he ends up coming down with because it shows you he doesn't have to get to the quarterback necessarily to impact the play, and he ends a full drive on that fourth down batted ball there. You got to like, I know Serta popped it up on the screen, four sacks in the last five games for Carloftis. He's a rookie, man. We, we, after the draft, I remember being on spaces and being like, oh, Calm down. Like the double digit sack guy, he's probably not going to be, but he's going to be a guy that has that high motor, has the high intelligence, and gets better as the year goes on. We we've talked about with rookies, you know, this is a time of the year where their where their body starts to shut down, or where you know usually their the college game they're used to kind of powering it down for the rest of the year, bowl season. Uh, but George Carlotta is a guy who's kind of picked up the steam as we're getting into 16, 17, and eighteen. Um, you hope that some of these sack numbers continue for him and. And as you mentioned with those young defensive backs and some of what they're able to do, you hope that they continue to play well and tackle well when the competition raises. Because ultimately, if if Kansas City's not doing it against Cincinnati or if they're not doing it against Buffalo, people are going to poke holes in it. And, and, and that's where they're at right now. They're defined by beating those two teams when it matters. Yeah, and also this is a fun stat as well, talking about the batted passes. Did you know the Chiefs had the top two guys in the league in batted passes this year? George Clock is number one. And number two is Carlos Dunlap. Those are the top two in the entire league in batted balls. It, it, it's been something that's paid dividends for them, but not all rosy in, in the Seahawks game. I, I circled the third quarter because that's where we kind of felt the lull. I don't know if it was the cold, going back into the locker room, sitting down, not being in the rhythm. I, I don't know what it is, but Mahomes and company combined for just one first down in that third quarter, which I categorized as sluggish, if you will. Um, maybe we see the best of both worlds with Kansas City in this game where, where overall we give it a good mark, right? Like I would say uh, B minus, B plus, whatever in that range. We still saw in that third quarter that, hey, sometimes when it's just one tick off, it can slow down the whole the whole machine. Yeah, and there are a couple of drives. I know one for sure in the third quarter, but just in general in that entire game, we're on third down, Justin Watson drops the ball. That would have been an easy first down. It would have continued to obviously move the chains and you probably maybe score on those possessions. You know, he's had a, a drop issue the last couple of weeks, uh, getting the Houston game. Remember that deep bomb by Mahomes from his own end zone to the oh, yeah. 
50 yard line and he dropped it. So, you know, uh, people were clamoring for more Justin Watson targets because he looked good in the limited snaps he got the first half of the season. But now when he's starting to get more, you're kind of seeing why he's a guy that the Bucks, you know, let go. He's, he's a wide receiver five type of guy for a reason. So, you know, maybe slow down a little bit on the Justin Watson train. And I'm still clamoring for more Sky Moore targets because he, he looked really nice on that one catch he got. He got five yards out of nothing. The guy is elusive. The guy makes plays with the ball in his hands. And like I've always said, people are, I think we're mixing up his punt return abilities with catching the ball from his wide receiver abilities is catching the ball. Two totally different things. Punt, catching a punt takes a lot of skill to do. You know, you got to factor in the wind and the, the trajectory of the ball high up the stadium. It's a lot that goes. It's a different it. skill set for yeah, sure. Yeah, but catching a ball from a quarterback is totally different. So I, I want to see more Sky more. I am hoping for more consistency from Kansas City in all three phases because overall I thought defense played well, offense played well, special teams played well. But as we mentioned, you could circle a little bit. I don't know if you want to call it nitpicking. I don't know if you want to call it. Um, searching for consistency, but Justin Reed asked about it today during the Wednesday availability. And he says, yeah, this time of year, you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can in all three phases as consistently as possible. Yeah, uh, just consistency. You know what I mean? A lot of times in this game, you know, plays come in bunches. Um, and a lot of players in our secondary are really getting hot at the right time. You know, it's great to have. Um, a hot season all year long, make plays along the way, but you really want to start catching fire at this time of year. Um, Juan's doing a great job playing well. He's making plays on the ball. Really should have had two interceptions last week. You know, you only got one on the board, but um, we know that that was two. Uh, and, you know, I'm excited to see him keep growing and keep, you know, putting his stamp on this franchise in the NFL. That was Justin Reed talking about Kansas City being consistent on the defensive side of the ball. Juan Thornhill has an interception in the win over Seattle. And really, we know who Kansas City is. They're going to be a contender for the Super Bowl this year. But their fatal flaws, it seemed like, will show their head at depending on you don't know when, right? You you want uh, you want more consistent play this time of year. Yeah, 100 percent. And I think that was a great stepping stone for the defense against Seattle. Like, a, like I said, a competent offense, to say the least. Hand into these last two games because these last two games, man, these offenses they're going to face are some of the worst in the league. I mean, obviously, we know the Broncos and their offensive issues. And now the Raiders, they've benched Derek Carr for the rest of the year. So that offense is going to take a major hit as well. So you're not really going to get a true test until your next until your first playoff game. So, you know, obviously, you just want to see them have dominant performances against these lesser opponents. And hopefully it builds up confidence heading into the playoffs and offensively. It's just a little fine-tuning, just cleaning up some stuff, just drop passes, ill-advised turnovers that put you behind the chains, uh, just things like that, man, these penalties. So I think they can clean it up. I'm not too concerned about that. And obviously, we're going to talk about it very soon, but the return of McCole Hardman, I think, will be very, very vital for this offense as well. This is a legacy stat that I knew Mark Gunnels was going to like. It's the Chiefs recording their fifth consecutive season with at least 12 victories. Only two other teams in NFL history have done that. Peyton Manning's Colts. And the Patriots. Tom Brady's Patriots. You can add Mahomes' Chiefs to that list now, the last five seasons. As Mahomes under starter, as the starter, he has never lost, or excuse me, never won fewer than 12 games. Hashtag don't take it for granted. Hashtag all that good stuff. Um, when you're in the moment, it's kind of hard to realize, but uh, 
12 wins now with a strong possibility, as you said, uh, of finishing the season with these last two. Yeah, I mean, before the year, I can't remember what your prediction was. I said 12 and 5 before the year. So now, obviously, I'm thinking it's going to be 14 and 3. So, I mean, if you really sit back and look at how we viewed this team and the division, everything before the year, compared to how it is now, it's, it's night and day. I mean, people were saying four teams could all make it out the AFC West this year, right? And now you're only going to have two. Well, obviously, the Broncos and Raiders not even being close. So, you know, it really is a testament to the consistency. And it starts, where's the start, right? GM, same GM, same head coach, same quarterback. Raiders, new head coach. Broncos, new head coach, new quarterback. Yeah. Chargers. Same head coach. Are they going to have a new quarterback? I'm talking about Denver specifically. I've heard some of the cap numbers around Russell Wilson as far as if they were to cut him this year versus next year. Are they going to have a new quarterback going into next year? Are we, are we sure about that? No, no, no. I was saying for, like, coming into oh, this year. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was saying coming into this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, they're they're stuck with him. <laughs> with that contract, nobody's training, for, nobody's training for Russell Wilson. Now, I think the Raiders will have a new quarterback next year. But they actually can save money by cutting or trading Derek Carr, I think, by three days after the Super Bowl. I saw a tweet today. So Future the Atlanta fact that he left, the, he left the team, <laughs> he left the team now and they benched him. I, it's safe to say he played his last game as a Raider. Yeah, we'll update that situation in our grab bag a little bit later. I wrote down three things here. And then there's also a, a, a text in or a message in off Facebook from Kenny, ha Kenny Hess. He says Nick Bolton has stepped up also 17 tackles for Nick Bolton. Still not sure he's not how he's not a pro bowler this year. The three things that I wrote down were McKinnon special teams and young defensive backs. We kind of touched on each of those. Jarek McKinnon gets in the end zone again, six touchdowns in the last four weeks. The running game in general has been something that Kansas city has finally started to get to as far as setting the momentum, uh, you know, on their touchdown drive, it all starts with the run game. Pacheco going downhill, especially in the cold weather type games. I think that unlike last season, and Andy Reid kind of touched on this today, we don't have the quote pulled, but he mentioned you know, McKinnon being a big part of what they want to do this time of year and uh, helping set the, the foundation for their offense. Yeah, so uh, the league actually did that for, so for the assistant, some of the assistant coaches that had potential opportunity to become head coaches. Uh, I thought they did a nice job of that this offseason, getting them together with the owners. And so to me, that was the difference. Um, in more of a casual setting, as opposed to I gotta hire this guy right now, get to know him, and um, I appreciate I appreciated that. Uh, you know that was a I thought that was a a good thing for for Eric. Um, you know I, I I know what he can do. I mean I've said it a hundred times. I haven't changed my opinion on that. So I um, I hope he gets an opportunity. Rather not have it at Denver, but I. I hope he gets an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, obviously a big part of what the Chiefs do on offense. Um, his name circulating in in some of the head coach carousel rumors once again. It's that time of the year, right? You put up your Christmas tree, and then Eric Bieniemy's name starts reappearing in head coach circulations and rumors. Jarek McKinnon has been great for Kansas City's offense, and I think so as Eric Bieniemy, which warrants his name being in these uh, in these interviews once again. Yeah, I mean, like you said, put up the Christmas tree, Eric Bianami talk. It's it's like the same thing every year, right? 
And I hope the guy gets the opportunity. I really do. He seems like a, a good leader of men. You know, I, I know you're there in the press conferences. He's a very well-spoken guy. Uh, he, he seems like one of those guys that you would run through a raw for, right? He always has energy. He's very gracious to the media. You know, he, he has good manners, mannerisms, all of that, right? All the characteristics that you would want from a head coach, he presents that to the media. And then even on the football field, obviously, you see him – get into it Mahomes, right? He's not scared to give him pushback. And you need that sometimes, right? Quite a bit. And, the, yeah. and that's making the rounds on social media. But but you need that, though, because you don't want everybody just to be a yes man around Mahomes. You need that guy in there that's that's willing to tell him what he's doing wrong and, you know, really get in him. So I, I respect that part of Eric being to me a lot. And, you know, Andy Reid said, hopefully not the Broncos, right? Because he knows all our secrets and everything. Yeah, he's going to face them twice a year. But the fact that Russell Wilson will be his quarterback will still probably be a bad situation there. So I wouldn't advise to take that job. But at this point, I mean, he may not have a choice because, you know, he, he really hasn't got opportunity, obviously. Clearly. That's what I was going to that's what I was going to yeah, get to. So, so, it, which is unfortunate, though, right, because he may be forced to take a, a job that's setting him up for failure. And then if he fails there, he won't get another another opportunity after that. So it's really tough. But it's like he almost has to take whatever is out there, which is unfortunate. That's the nasty game that he's kind of backed into. I'm almost wondering now, with his name being floated in this latest cycle, which I think is the fourth or fifth time his name has kind of gone around in the in these cycles. I wonder if there's one any Eric Bieniemy fatigue to where you know you're interviewing for the same jobs now. I mean, he interviewed for Denver already. This would be his second or third time interviewing for the Denver job, and. I just wonder if it doesn't work out this year, is the writing already on the wall with, you know, bringing in Matt Nagy, bringing him back in and that relationship being there? And um, is there no backup plan as far as Eric Bieniemy staying in Kansas City? Is this his last dance, if you will, if he doesn't find another head coaching job somewhere else or if Denver doesn't work out? Um, is he going to have to step back down uh, to a college level and take one of those jobs? Like, what do you see happening here? So, unfortunately, I do not see him getting a head coaching job in the NFL. I think uh, if he hasn't got one by now, why, why would he get one all of a sudden this year? I mean, the guy's been the four straight AFC championship games as an OC. But they're leading the league in scoring and yards again, Mark. I mean, all Eric Bieniemy has done as offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs is be extremely successful. Lead the know, league in all saying, the offensive statistics. I'm saying what has changed from then to now like they yeah. they're doing the same thing like they're one of the top offenses as they've been you know so it's not like something catastrophic has changed from last year to this year that would make teams be like oh we have to get Eric Bannon now I mean like I said I hope I'm wrong I want him to get a head coaching job but I'm just being realistic I don't see it happening I do think he may have to go to college route but the thing about that is it's probably too late for that because <laughs> The uh, transport portal is going crazy right now. You need to be the head coach right now. You need to be where you're at now to be a college coach, right? So he's kind of stuck if he doesn't get a head coaching job in the NFL this year. I don't see no other scenario. This was one of the first pieces that I wrote for, for ArrowheadPride.com. It, it just kind of Eric Bieniemy, and there's a reason why Brian Flores used Eric Bieniemy's case specifically when he wrote uh, part of that lawsuit that was filed against the National Football League because he's a prime example of somebody who was overqualified. He was passed up when it was his window for people who were underqualified. And now it, it's almost like he's passed his window. His expiration date has reached. He's almost a 
he's almost a he's not a hot name anymore, right? Like we always see every year there's the hot name and the hot coordinator and, and somebody that are available for those tier of jobs. You see Sean Payton kind of kind of generating the buzz that he is and whatnot. I wonder if it's a rebrand that's needed for Eric Bieniemy. I wonder if he needs to take a step away from Kansas City and have success elsewhere to be able to justify that and get his name back up and bubble back up. But it's a shame. It seems like every time um, Bieniemy's name is mentioned, especially recently, we just don't have much faith in the process or faith that it's going to end up uh, with him getting another job. How about some good news for Kansas City? This happened after our last pod, kind of old news. I don't know if people care about the Pro Bowl anymore, but seven Pro Bowlers made the list. Did we talk about that on last no, week's show? No, we didn't. Nah. Um, who's your Who's your surprise name on, on the Pro Bowl list? And, and maybe your initial reactions to, to, to the Chiefs tro- Pro Bowlers in 2023. Well, first of all, I can care less about the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl has been a joke for years now. Pro Bowl games, Mark Guttles. It's the, it's the Pro Bowl games now. Oh, my gosh. The Pro Bowl games. Is it the Olympics now? What is going on here? But, uh, no, I, I can really care less. The voting process, the guys that get elected year after year are a complete joke. Uh, the biggest surprise to me is obviously Orlando Brown Jr. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, based on what you hear from Chiefs fans and media alike, uh, he has not played nowhere near a Pro Bowl level uh, caliber of guy. Uh, for some reason, he's a Pro Bowler. Congrats to him. Uh, I'm sure that comes with some incentives or any something like that. But uh, I'm sure it comes with incentives. Absolutely. Yeah. So these guys care about it. Yeah, they care as they should. But um, yeah, I mean, if you watch the film, watch the, all the advanced analytics, there's no justification for Orlando Brown being a Pro Bowl player this year. I'll push back on that a little bit in a second. But here are the seven Chiefs Pro Bowlers as of right now. Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes, Tommy Townsend, and Joe Tooney. This from Jesse Newell, who covers the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star, and he does a great job. He came over from the KU beat. He says, over the last six weeks, the highest-graded tackles in the NFL in pass blocking out of 112 tackles, and the number one is Chiefs tackle Orlando Brown. I wonder if he's been, you know, unfairly piled on and I think the context I think the context of the contract matter here I think the context of his relationship with Patrick Mahomes matters here and then there's been some bad snaps like I'm obviously I'm putting on the Orlando cape or the OBJ cape for a little bit to try and protect him he's played better as of late he's had some bad snaps he's maybe said some things and had his foot in his mouth at times but the contract thing I don't even know if it was that bad he missed what a week of camp when nobody was really hitting anybody, or he missed like a couple weeks of camp when nobody was really hitting anybody. I think everybody, when you ask them one on one, would you have done the same thing? Would probably say, oh, I'm, "I'm holding out too. I want to get paid as well." There's no doubt in our mind, and we've said on this platform before that he's probably not going to get that same deal that was on the table this off season. Um, before a guy who's been unfairly dumped on time and time again, not only is he a Pro Bowler, Mark, but he's one of the highest graded tackles according to PFF. What you got to say back to that? Is that for the entire season or just the last seven weeks? It's it, it's the last six weeks specifically. Okay, okay. And I, I will say have that I'll, I'll give a grade. These, these, okay. these, these are just for pass blocking. It's Brown, okay. uh, Lane Johnson, Laramie Tunsil, Jake Matthews as the top. Okay, well, unfortunately, Aaron, the Pro Bowl shouldn't be based on how you do in a seven-game stretch. It should be based on what you've done up until this point throughout the entire season. And if you look at weeks one through nine – 
He's given he's given up 30 pressures. Now, since then, only 13. So, yes, you are right. He has gotten better as the season has gone on. But unfortunately, the Pro Bowl isn't based on a seven-week sample. So when you consider the first nine weeks when he played bad, he was one of the worst tackles in the league on pressure rate allowed. So, yes, I'm thankful for him improving as the season goes on because that should be beneficial towards playoff time and potentially maybe the Super Bowl for if the Chiefs want to get there. But from a whole body of work, he is not a, a pro bowler. But he made it. So congrats to Orlando Brown Jr. Let's uh, let's put a bow on this topic with this question. Yes or no? Is Orlando Brown in a Chiefs uniform next season? Yes. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Let's talk Raiders really quick before we get into our game preview. It's, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Mark, Derek Carr finds the bench and then finds an Uber in the parking lot on the way out. He's left the team. Sounds like this is going to be the end of the Carr era in Vegas. And what an interesting ride it's been. I, I mean, I was one who probably before the season would tell you he's in the back half of that second to third tier of quarterbacks. And last season, I thought, and this is one of the craziest games at the end of the year, right? The Raiders were close to winning a playoff game last year to go from that so now the situation is what's going on. And then you think about the Henry Ruggs and all the situations that the Raiders have been trying to deal with. Um, John Gruden on top of that. You throw Derek Carr in this. And I thought he was a nice and good foot soldier the whole time. Despite that, he's benched and is probably not going to play these last two games for the Raiders. His career is done there. How does this how does this shake out? How does this impact Kansas City? Well, it depends on who the quarterback's going to be next year. Are they going to draft the guy, trade up a little bit? Because they won a little too many games to get one of those top guys like a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. So they'll have to probably trade up to get one of those guys if they want to go that route. Or do they go get like a veteran, like a Jimmy G, who should be available, right? I believe he did work with Josh McDaniels that year when he was in New England. I think they were both there at the same time. If I'm not Matt mistaken. Ryan, Mar- Marcus Mariota, guy who might be out there. I think Matt Ryan's going to retire, to be honest with you. I think he's probably going to be done after this year. But, yeah, maybe a Ryan Tannehill, you know, one of those type of guys. Because, yeah, I think they went all in the win now. And trust me, Devontae Adams is not happy. <laughs> sure, he got the bag, and that's all great. But we saw he's a competitor. I mean, you saw the guy push down a cameraman right next to you in Arrowhead. <laughs> you were right there. You were right there on the camera. I mean, it could have been you. It almost could have been you. I wish it was you me. Know? Yeah, I do wish it was me. You would have got paid. I'd be on this podcast in a neck brace still to this day. 
you wouldn't have uh, worried about your Mizzou tuition anymore if that was you. But, uh, yeah, man, it depends on what they do at quarterback because they're stuck with their quarter with their uh, head coach. They can't afford to fire McDaniel. That's a real thing because they're still paying uh, John Gruden. Remember, they gave him a 10-year contract. He's only there, what, what four years? Maybe? Yeah. So yeah. they're still in the books for that. Uh, you're still in the books for Demonte Adams because if you trade them, they take they're gonna take a big, big uh, dead cap situation there. So they they have to keep him. So he's gonna be unhappy if they don't resolve the situation because he was supposed to go there, team up with his old college buddy. Win. They were supposed to win. Yeah. And contend. They're supposed to win at least make the playoffs, and they're not even in the contention anymore. So it's a mess. It's a mess. I don't know who's well. I think Denver's in the worst situation. I was gonna say I don't know who's in the worst situation. I think it's definitely Denver because you're still paying a quarterback that's not good, two hundred fifty million dollars. So I would still rather be in the Raiders situation, but neither are good. I believe it's Hefe KC rocking with us on YouTube says funny the Broncos fire their coach and the Raiders bench car, and that's kind of my reaction to this whole thing. Just just how quickly things can change. In the National Football League. I, I don't know who told me this or who started this cliche, but NFL is standing for not for long. And it's crazy how quickly this division, which we thought just six months ago or seven months ago is going to be the super mega hardest division in football of all time. And not only seven months later, we're talking about instability over here. One of the league's worst quarterbacks and worst contracts in one over here. And it reminds you that Kansas City is in the midst of something special, the golden era, if you will, of having it together, having your head coach, your front office, and your quarterback all on the same page and chemistry. You can't take that for granted anymore. And a division that we thought was going to be harder and everybody's gearing up to to try and beat the Chiefs and, and everybody's getting their ducks in a row to try and contend with Mahomes and his weapons for the next three years. Ho-hum. Um, these teams making massive changes before the year is even up like the Nathaniel Hackett thing to me and I know we're going to get into that uh, here in the preview in a second usually like when you have a disaster kind of like the the Christmas game that they had in LA they'll kind of fire you quote unquote in the back room or like off to the side and you yeah. finish out the year like you at least yeah. like get the opportunity to like rehab and like say say the right things and oh we didn't perform the way we wanted to in your first year to get fired after 15 games on the day after Christmas, it ain't good, Mark. And it, and when you see there's smoke there, there's fire. And I think Kansas City fans have to be uh, have to be very thankful this holiday season that they're not dealing with some of these massive, massive instability problems and question marks. They're once again wondering, are we going to be the one seed or the two seed? <laughs> are we going to be the one seed or the two seed this year? That's the biggest question on the minds of, of Chiefs fans. And you know what? It's funny you say that because – I think it's safe to say, considering the last two games are against these two teams, the Broncos and the Raiders, the biggest game in the regular season for the Chiefs fans is not even involving the Chiefs. It's Monday night, Bills at Bengals. That's the biggest game for Chiefs fans during these last two weeks of the regular season. Because <laughs> Chiefs Kingdom will be the biggest Bengals fans on Monday night, so you can secure that one seed. And you only have to win two games to get to the Super Bowl versus three. And you avoid having to play both Buffalo and Cincinnati, where you'll most likely just have to play one of them if you're the one seed. So that's huge. 
Let's jump into the game preview, man. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. Feels like uh, we just saw these two teams face off in a game that was much closer than many expected. This time it's the 12 and 3 Chiefs hosting the 4 and 11 Broncos who just announced that they parted ways with head coach Nathaniel Hackett on Monday. Noon kick at Arrowhead, you know I love those. And we finally got some good weather, partly sunny with a high near 53. Kansas City, of course, has won 14 straight against the Denver Broncos, who will be likely without Randy Gregory, defensive end suspended for some of the post-game antics in that Christmas brawl that wasn't really a good game, whatever. He's likely not going to play for Denver one more stat before I toss it to you and we get some injury updates in here. It's from Adam Schefter. The Broncos have missed the playoffs in seven straight seasons since winning the Super Bowl. It is the longest drought in NFL history by a team who won the Super Bowl. Um, initial reactions to this to this matchup and uh, and what you're looking forward to. Yeah, man. So this Broncos team, we know their offense <laughs> Is bad. Don't say that. You you can't say that. You you can't say that after they put what? up 46 or whatever it was last time. Oh, come on. Okay, so let's rewind, right? The Chiefs, let's forget. Let's not forget. It's easy to forget this. They were up 27 to nothing at one point in that game. You remember that, right? You know, I, I know people that. like to forget that. <laughs> they were up 27 to nothing at one point. Can we chalk it up to guys just letting their foot off the gas? You know, you saw Kelsey on the sideline like this, chilling, smiling. Mahomes was doing this after the pick six by Willie Gay. I mean, it was a lot of showmanship. I think those guys thought the game was over, and I think everybody did. To be honest, I think we all did. So I think they remember that. And now you're two games left. They just fired their head coach. Their interim head coach is the guy that their head coach brought in for time management. He just got brought in for time management. And like, and now he's the head coach that for the last two games. I mean, they are a complete mess. The team clearly doesn't respect Russell Wilson. You see him on the sidelines still trying his best to clap it up. Guys are not reactive to him. This should be a Chiefs dominating win. I know we say this before, but I thought last week was dominating. 24 to 10, really was 24 to 3. They got a garbage touchdown in the end. Yeah. Whatever. Chiefs dominated that game. I think they realized it's time to buckle down. This is where Super Bowl teams separate themselves. Now you got the Bills Bengals game coming up. They want to be able to relax, watch that game Monday night after a good victory on Sunday. I think the Chiefs take care of business here. Just the main thing is just play clean, play clean. Don't turn the ball over. Don't have stupid penalties in key situations and get, get the defense off the field. Cause Russell Wilson was able to run a little bit in that last game. I will say that he did kind of show flashes of the old Russ and getting some key first downs on third down with his legs and things of that nature. Jerry Judy had a big game. He had what three touchdowns in that game Three scores. So, yeah. So he's a guy I'm sure they're going to key in on this matchup for sure. I think they clean things up and they build up the momentum of last week's game against Seattle and get the job done in KC. I think what worries me the most is, like you said, they they let their foot off the gas. You don't want to see that from 
a team that has Super Bowl aspirations against an opponent that's inferior. Andy Reid kind of gave voice to what you were talking about. Hey, Denver wasn't a great team, but they did catch us after we were slipping. But now we know and we're prepared ahead of time and we'll be ready. This is what Andy Reid had to say. Our receivers are, are good receivers and Judy um, is really a good player. Uh, they listen, they, they played well against us last time, you know, a few weeks ago. So um, they, the, the quarterback had some big runs and Judy, some big catches. And then uh, their defense played well against us uh, after we had taken the 27, nothing lead. They, they, we had the interceptions and, and um, uh, they just, you know, they, their pass defense was, was tremendous, which it's been all year. And it just kind of tightened up on us at that time. So, um, you know, we've got to make sure we're, we're on our A game. I mean, they, they already have our attention uh, from our last game, uh, whatever they did with Hackett or didn't do with Hackett. I mean, they, they, they had our attention. Uh, uh, we know we've got to be ready. So. 304 total yards to go along with three scores for, Russell Wilson in that game before he left early uh, Kansas City did let their foot off the glass mark and I think that you know this time around they just can't do that point blank period yeah 100 percent, man this is a team that has melted in at this point they had high aspirations before the year obviously things didn't go as planned and I, I just really believe that especially so there's another angle we can talk about as well you know Mahomes low-key wants the MVP you know, he can say he does it. but Low-key wants the MVP. I mean, come on. He wants well, it. Well, I'm saying, but he's not going to say that to yeah. the media, though. Like, he's not going to say it out loud. He's going to say, I don't play for individual awards, and all I want to do is win games and win the Super Bowl and things of that nature, right? Like, he's not going to say it, but we, we know what's up. And he's the clear favorite right now with two games remaining. If he plays clean in these last two games, He's going to win the second MVP at 27 years old. And that just puts him in a different category, especially compared to his peers. You know, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow is going to go at it on Monday night. Neither one of those guys have one MVP combined. And he's going to have his second one. So a little bragging rights there for uh, number 15. I think a good news for Kansas City Chiefs fans is that the team looks relatively healthy headed into this matchup against Denver. Obviously, these are Wednesday reports. We record this on Wednesdays at 6, we'd love to have you all on the video stream, but for those listening on audio only, it's Michael Burton, Noah Gray, Derek Noddy, Andrew Wiley, and Colin Saunders all on the injury report, but reported as full participants, which is great news, especially for a team that's starting to get into that back half that's played a lot, a lot of football over the last couple of seasons. I think the stat was they've played the most games of any NFL team since 2018. If you include some of those playoff runs, it's good for them to be healthy. And it sounds like McCole Harbin will be back for Kansas City. We know he's a gadget guy. You talked about Justin Watson maybe reaching some of his limits and his expiration date. Plugging McCole Harbin back in to an offense that we know likes to utilize a lot of those jet sweeps and those misdirections and the motions ahead of play. That's his playing style, that explosive stuff to get him kind of started and running downhill with a uh, full head of steam. For him to be plugged back in and, and hopefully healthy in time for week 17 in the stretch run of the playoffs, I think that can only be a good thing for Kansas City, Mark. Oh, yeah. And that's one thing I've been looking forward to, seeing Kendarius Tony and McCole Harmon both out there at the same time. Because those are your two fastest receivers. And we know how Andy Reid and EB can scheme up things, like you mentioned, the jet sweeps, uh, the motions, you know, things that keep defenses on edge. 
Because when you see McCole Hardman or KT, even Sky at time go in motion, you have to wonder, will they get that, that little shovel pass toss? Or is it just, you know, window dressing for something else? It keeps defensive coordinators up late at night when you have all that speed. And not to mention, you have Patrick Mahomes who can run with his legs as well. So you're basically playing 11 on 11. And we know, especially come playoff time, you look at the metrics and the rushing attempts, Patrick Mahomes tends to run a lot more in the playoffs than he does in the regular season because obviously it's win or go home at that point. So yep. there's there's nothing to leave out there on the field. So that's going to be very challenging when you have all those guys out there at the same time, especially when you haven't seen it. You don't have it on film. You don't have no film of KT and Harbin both out there at the same time. So that's going to be a major advantage for the Chiefs, I think, heading to the playoffs. Let's go to Vegas. Place your bets. Oh, there it is. There it is. Two touchdowns. Win by Elite Church. Let's go to Vegas with Mark. You know, we got to get Mark somewhere warmer. We can't keep him in Kansas City for too long. He's not used to these frigid temperatures here in the Midwest. He doesn't like it in his hometown. Look, look at him zipping up the hoodie. So let's get down to Vegas where Mark is oh so comfortable. Hovering around 500. I'll give you credit for that. You got a fighter's chance of finishing above 500. One and two last week. And here were the picks. You took the over on Mahomes total yards at 300 and a half. That one didn't hit. Mahomes kind of had a quiet day t- for 232, which I, I, I wonder where that puts him at in search for the, the Peyton Manning record now. The other, the other picks were over Kelsey receiving yards. That one hit. The number was 80 and a half. Kelsey goes over 113 receiving yards in the win over Seattle. And then look at this, man. This is what you get for going against the Chiefs. He said 10 was too many points, and it wasn't. The Chiefs won by uh, 14. So you went one and two last week. Your season total is uh, 20 and 21. Mark has given out 41 picks. I mean, you've actually done you've done work here. When people say Mark doesn't earn his paycheck, he just gives takes out and he thinks he skipped Bayless Jr. I tell them, no, Mark gives out at least three picks every episode. Do you have three picks for us this week? Yeah, I do. I, do. I didn't lie to him. There we are. Three more picks. We're going to try and get above 500. What you got for us? All right. So my first play is I'm going with Juju's over on receiving yards at 54 and a half. Last time he played Denver, he had over 70. I think this is going to be a nice Juju game. He's going to eat up the middle of the field. They're going to have a lot of attention on Travis Kelsey because he ate him up pretty good. So I think Juju eats this game. So give me Juju 54 and a half taking the over there. I like the over on Pacheco rushing yards as well. It's at 70 and a half. It's, a, it's still kind of in that area because they only had 58 last week. So I think you can get more carries this week. I think Denver, they're very deceptible against the run. So I see Pacheco having a big game. So give me the over there. And on the spread, I'm taking the first half on this game. Give me Chiefs minus six and a half. I love that number. Considering the Chiefs went up 27 to nothing on this team in the first half in the first <laughs> meeting, I think they jump out again on them early. And I love them being a, at least up by a touchdown at halftime. So those are my three plays. Juju's over on receiving yards at 54 and a half. The over on Pacheco's rushing yards at 70 and a half. And Chiefs first half spread minus six and a half. Strong slate. I like the plays. Mark, how you feeling about them? You confident? I think I'm going to have a clean sweep. I think I'm going to have a clean sweep. Clip that, Serta. You, you, you got us. 
<laughs> that might be a new drop here on Coast to Coast. If you go 0 for 3, talk about oh, <laughs> a clean sweet. <laughs> Appreciate y'all rocking with us on Chiefs Coast to Coast. A couple comments here. Uh, I, I want to toss this one to you, Mark. It's from Dan Bo on YouTube. He says, the way the Bills and the Bengals have been playing, especially defensively, how do you think we compare to them come playoff time? Um, So I think the Bengals offer a bigger threat defensively at this point. I think the way they play – uh, their defensive coordinator is very, very savvy how he mixes up coverages, whereas the Bills and Leslie Frazier kind of has the same thing. He plays soft zone, keeps everything in front of him. I think the Chiefs have had a lot of success against them. Even in that first game, I mean, there was a couple of turnovers in the red zone. Obviously, that's that one that Mahomes tried to get into MVS because they're moving the ball pretty well. So I would say the tougher one is the Bengals, but I think you could have success against both. Because I think they win that Bengals game if Kelsey doesn't fumble near midfield. So they're going to probably move down and score that drive as well. But I think uh, matchup-wise, I think the Bengals present a tougher matchup defensively. Some key especially injuries. Without, especially without no Von Miller for Buffalo. Yeah, that's that, that's what I was going to say. That yeah. that injury, I think, impacts how that game goes because Von Miller was wreaking havoc at Arrowhead and it had a couple closer-like plays for them. And then I saw Lyle Collins for, for Cincinnati. I know it's an offensive line injury. Um, but he had an ACL in the injury type. So it, when we talk about Kansas City being healthy and kind of trending in the right direction this time of year, and you look at those other teams that you would stack up as, okay, these are the two teams that we need to see see our way through in order to get to Arizona, um, those type of plays and those type of players losing those at this point in the year, uh, that tends to make an impact. Kenny Hess chimes in again. He thinks the Chiefs will drop a 40-burger on the Donkeys. Eric Linkhart says he's rooting for the Bengals this week, and it feels kind of weird. I know that feels weird for you, Mark. Like, do you have Joe Burrow undies as well, or is it just Patrick Mahomes underwear? <laughs> you know what, man? I'm going to root for anything that's the best interest of the Kansas City Chiefs, so it doesn't feel weird to me at all. You know, if you get a chance to get the one seed, it increases your chances greatly for Aaron Ladd to be live in Glendale, for Mark Gunnels to be live in Glendale. Like, we are supposed to be in L.A. together last year, so – you know, any chance that I can increase my odds on that, I'm going to take it. So go Bengals Monday. Who they? Good episode. I, I remember one thing before we get out of here. We forgot to give a player. Is there a Chiefs player 38? I mean, it's Sneed now, right? Is it the LeJerry Sneed episode? Yeah, it's going to have to be Sneed. Yeah, it's going to have to be Sneed. <laughs> I mean, he's the best slot. He's arguably the best slot corner in football, so it's not bad. The LeJerry Sneed episode is over for Mark Gunnels, Aaron Ladd, Steven Serta. Coast to Coast is out. Thank you